I'm not sure. I'm, yeah, I think I'm on. The, um, always appreciate Brother Hopper coming in for his Sunday school class and, and helping us with ours. Uh, of course, uh, I always say, you know, you have some options. Uh, if you want a foundations class, we call them both foundations classes, but on either side of our room over here, we have a foundations class kind of going through the basic basics of our Christian beliefs. Uh, that's uh, going on in either one of these rooms. And so if you want to venture in there and see what he's doing sometime, you, you're more than welcome to do that. Brother Hopper's over here. Uh, Brother Allen is over here, and so I think they've got about a room full over here, and he's getting started over here, so he started about three months later, so, so either one of those you might want to try uh, if you want to go there. Otherwise, you can come here and put up with listening to me, amen? So we want to find out if we have anybody uh, with a prayer request. I know we have prayer requests over here. Mrs. Hansen is here. Yes, ma'am. In case you didn't hear it, hopefully you did, but uh, Mrs. Hansen, of course, we anointed her, prayed for her, and the cancer has not progressed at all, and uh, they were kind of amazed by that, but Brother Stan Hansen, her husband, is in the hospital at this moment, uh, really struggling with his breathing. He's got some fluid on the lungs, so we've got to pray for him that they'll be able to get that taken care of. Yes, ma'am. Now, you're going to preach the whole service here? Yes, ma'am. Did you drive off and leave it again?
Amen. They said, yes. One of them told the other one, said, you know that crazy woman that comes in here? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Amen. And we're thrilled Tori's here. Thank you, Tori, for being here. And we're going to continue to pray for you. Pray for it all to go well. Yes, sir. To get it rented out. You, you don't like paying two things at once? I know I've been doing it for about six months, so that's not fun. Uh, not fun at all. So we need to do need to pray for the Rogers. They'll get that taken care of, and that's a lot of driving, a lot of work, a lot of things going on. So praise the Lord that he's able to get it done. Pretty wise, probably pretty wise decision you didn't take that job because I don't know how you would have gotten all that done and trying to do that. So, you know, we'll, we'll wait till another one comes along here. Yeah. Well, that's why you just put that woman to work. <laughs> Amen. <We'll... laughs> Amen. Anybody else? We got prayer requests? Yes, sir. My wife and child are coming back uh, Tuesday, late, late Tuesday night. You want us to pray that they will or they? Okay. All right. Okay. I got it. Got it. All right. Yes, ma'am. I heard pray for Rachel, but what? Oh, yes, ma'am. Uh, and she's at Crown, right? Yeah. Crown College. Okay. Um, all right. I guess that's it. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, I pray that you bless, Lord Jesus. I, I want to bring these requests to you. And Lord, uh, please, we know that you're a prayer answering God and that you're a mighty God and that you have the ability to do all things. And, and Lord, uh, we just ask you in the name of Jesus in, that you would do these things that you would touch Brother Hansen's body, Lord, that you would raise him up, you clear his lungs out, that he's been struggling to breathe for so long and so weak. Lord, we want to thank you for what you've done already in Mrs. Hansen's body and, and the way that you've stayed that cancer and, and given her strength. And as she said this morning, God, you knew that she would need strength uh, while her husband is so sick. And thank you for giving her that strength. And Lord, I pray that you continue to bless there. And then, Miss Johnny May, thank you for the praise that uh, Lord, that, that I thank you for a, a lady that has a heart to praise you over $10. Now, Lord, a lot of people, that's, that's nothing to them. But dear God, I, I thank you that she, she saw your hand and she realizes that uh, all good things come from God. And Lord, I pray that you continue to bless her. Thank you for what you did for her. Lord, thank you for Tori being here today. And Lord, I pray that you continue to bless him and bless the entire family and help them to make wise decisions in the future. And and, Lord, uh, give wisdom to those that are making decisions about the future. And, Lord, I pray that you, you be with them. Then, the, Lord, the Rogers, as they go through, uh, this is a tough time, and I, I kind of understand it. It just seemed like we just, just days ago were going through a very similar thing and, and to all the moving and all the trying to fix up back at the other place and, and, and trying to get it all finalized and done. Lord, I pray that you would help them, give them strength, and, and make all things to, to go really well, that, that you'd guide their minds and give wisdom as the decisions they've got to make. And then, and then <clears throat> Father, 
I pray for uh, uh, Mrs. Rogers, for, the, for their daughter. Lord, I pray that you would just be with her. I know she's concerned and she has needs there at college. And, and Lord, we worked with so many college kids for so long. And Lord, it's a, it's a tough thing when they, uh, uh, they're trying to go to school and they're trying to, to, to make the financial uh, you know, burden uh, that's upon them. And, and Lord, all the school uh, requirements and, and the scholastic requirements. Lord, I pray that you just be with her, strengthen her, encourage her uh, in these days. And then uh, Lord, I pray that you'd please just uh, look upon this room as Ava and, and, uh, and, and uh, Gracie as they are on their way back, uh, traveling back from California. Lord, I pray that you'd be with them. Keep them safe as they, as they travel back here, please. Lord, there's always uh, many, many other requests and maybe something I've even forgotten this, this morning. But Father, I pray that you just be with each and every one who's here, those that are on the way, those that would like to be here but can't because of health maybe. Lord, I pray that you continue to bless, continue to build a mighty hedge of protection around our, our church and around uh, this, this area that we'd be able to, to, to in your strength and power, we reach the people uh, of, of Memphis and, and to, to love them and to help them to know that there's a, there's a place that, that, that's offering. We, we offer nothing, but we have the name of Jesus and we have the cross of Christ and we, we have uh, that which would change their lives and give them hope in their lives. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to continue to do that through the buses, through the missions, through the, the food pantry, through everything that we do. Dear God, keep your hand upon it. We pray now for our class that we're about to have. Give me wisdom, give me direction and, and uh, clarity of mind as I teach, please. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, if you want to go to the book of Genesis, this shouldn't be too hard to find today. Genesis chapter 1. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1. Um, we've <clears throat> gone through, of course, the book of Genesis. We went all the way through talking about the people of Genesis and, uh, and we didn't deal with everybody in Genesis. I started to go ahead and, and do a couple of more characters in the book of Genesis, but I thought I'd go ahead and move into what I'm talking about. This one, little kind of series that we're going to have is the events in Genesis, the, the major events that take place in Genesis. There's so many. I, I believe that Genesis is the foundational book for all life. It is, it is the uh, the way I term it, and partially because of my background, law enforcement, it's, I term it as the, the, the book that sets the precedent for all life. It's, it's that, that place where, where you go to it and God says, okay, this is, this is what I meant for man and for woman when I created them. This is what I meant for the world when I created it. This is, this is what I meant for the family when I created it. This is how to rear children. This is how, how to keep your marriage strong. This, this is all that that's just laid out there in the book of Genesis. And so uh, the events, the people are so very important. The principles there are so very important. And so we're just going to start out, and for some, this is going to be going to be pretty basic, but I, I'm not going to just talk about uh, creation. That's the, where we're going to go is the creation is, of course, the great event in Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 1, but we're going to go there to that and begin there, and as we look at the days, what, what I'm titling this is God's divine order in creation. It's not that it's just He created, and okay, you know, because a lot of times, you know, we try to get uh, young people, you know, what did he create on this day? What did he create? And the truth is, if you start to see his order of events, uh, it's really not hard to remember when he created things because they had to come when they came. 
Uh, you know, God did it, and he does everything decently and in order. God is a God of order. Uh, he's not a God of chaos. Uh, chaos is confusion. Confusion is of Satan. Uh, that's why the scripture says, you know, with confusion comes every evil work. God just doesn't put us in confusion. He gives peace. Amen. And peace is the, is the antithesis of confusion. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the, the light from the darkness, and, the God, and, and God called the light day, and darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, we're going to not read through all of it. Uh, you know, right now, just for time's sake, we'll go ahead and, and kind of take verses as we, as we go along. But uh, as you see here in verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. You know, this is the first evidence of separation in the Bible. You know, separation is almost a... Uh, uh, you know, an anathema kind of word today. But God says there's supposed to be a separation from the light and the dark. God says there's supposed to be a separation from good and evil. God says there's supposed to, he said men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And, and all through the scripture, it tells us that we're, we ought to be different from the world. Uh, and, and can I tell you, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that, that I'm different because, you know, I'm wearing a, a suit and tie today. Uh, a lot of people can wear a suit and tie, and they're not different from the world at all when they walk out the door. The issue is not what you're wearing nearly as much as what's going on inside here. And so uh, the fact is, is that the light must come for there to be life. That's what, what we've got to understand. God brought light to the world, and God is light, and God brought light to the world, and, and there's going to be no life if there's not light. There's got to be, got to be light. Uh, uh, no matter what you do, some kind of energy has to be generated for life to exist, and light is that energy. Uh, well, inevitably, it really come, returns back to light somewhere. And so in uh, 1 John, God is light and God is life. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Uh, boy, that's going to be an amazing thing when we get to heaven and we see really pure light. Uh, everything in the world is adulterated. But it says in God, God is light and in him is no darkness darkness at all. John 6.33 says, The bread of God is, is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And so God is light and God is life and, and light must come for there to be life. Excuse me. And, and so God is the first thing that he had to do. The first thing that God did in his divine order was create light. Uh, create and create a separation between the darkness and the light. And, uh, and whether one of, you know, I just believe it's right there. And Genesis really does give many examples of separation where it just says, you know what, I'm no better than anybody else, but God still says that my life should be a light to the world, not of the world like the world. If, I, if I'm just like they are, then I bring no light to them. I'm a light to the world because something should be different about what's going on inside of me. The thought processes in my, man, my mind, uh, you know, my heart, how I treat people. 
Uh, I was riding in this morning in a, in a, in a, I don't know who the preacher was, somebody who was on radio, I just turned it on and, and uh, it, that's, it's uh, on there just about all the time and except there, you know, every one or two guys I don't want to listen to. But anyway, uh, and so I'm, I was listening to it and, and the guy said, he said, you know, it's just amazing how many times Christians harbor so much bitterness that comes out of their mouths, comes out of their actions hurtful words, and he, he turned it this way. He said, their mouths are full of ashes. And, uh, and I thought, you know, that really should not be because we're not displaying light to the world. We're showing them the darkness. And God says, no, there needs to be a separation. If you're a Christian, let's show them the light. Let's show them the light. And so uh, it's just very, very important. Uh, the, and, and we're going to, we, I don't know that we'll get through uh, these, but I'm going to move pretty quickly through them. The second day, if you look at verse 6, Verse 6, so light came, and God divided the light and the dark, and, then, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Now, the, uh, there's a lot of debate on this. It just this happens to be my particular view on this as I, as I look at it, and I used to enjoy teaching Genesis. But but God just said, "I'm going to make a division. I'm going to put an airspace between the waters." Uh, he said, "I'm going to give you know a place." And the Bible's going to talk later about the fowls will, will you know the the birds of the heavens will fly through the firmament. They'll travel through the firmament, and so it's it's basically the the airspace, the heavens that we see right here. And uh, and my belief, and and many believe, some don't, but I believe that God, what He did at this point is He created what's called the canopy. They call it the canopy theory. Uh, of course, uh, you can't absolutely prove it, but it create a canopy of of either some believe ice, uh, which is just a form of water, or uh, you know just water vapor, but that encased the earth, which was also encased in water. So this ball that we're on was encased in water, covered by water. Then you had water above the earth, and he put a air expansion in between that. Well, that's that's he had to do that again before he creates anything else because. The fowl has to have some place. The birds have some some place to live. They have some place to fly. They have, and you know, man's going to have to have some place to to walk and to breathe. And so God's got this order going on. So He creates this. And this canopy theory is just very simply this: is is that uh, God made a greenhouse right here? Is what He did. He He put this moisture barrier around the the earth. And the earth was covered by, by water, and he's creating a, a greenhouse effect. And so all over the earth, basically, the temperature, you know, pretty much, and, and I, I think because of, of the sun that's you know, going to be created, uh, the, I think because of the sun, you know, still you're going to have a little variance in temperature, but, but basically you're not going to have the poles, you're not going to have the ice, you know, the cold areas. You're going to have pretty much a consistent temperature and environment all over the earth. Now, why is, why is that so important? Well, it's important because this is going to allow uh, this incredibly perfect growing sphere, you know, a place to, it's a greenhouse. It makes, John, you've had a greenhouse before. It's a pretty nice place to grow even in the winter. Uh, and so, and no matter what's going on outside, this inside has got a perfect, wonderful growing 
atmosphere. So this consistent temperature throughout the planet, and again, I wouldn't debate you on it. There's, there's all kinds of beliefs and philosophies about it, but that just happens to be what, what mine is. Dew, so the dew and heavy mist would fall. There would be no rainfall. It would be kind of like a dew and a heavy mist that would always be there watering everything that is about to be created. Um, it's estimated by scientists today that there is a consistent amount of moisture in the air above the earth uh, that they say that would amount to about 50, and now how they know this, I have no idea, but 54 trillion, 460 billion tons of moisture in the air at any given moment. Well, that's a whole lot of moisture in the air, and if it was encased, uh, so to speak, then that's going to make an incredible growing uh, environment. And so the world would be perfect for growth and life. And uh, just another little sideline issue again, you know, all kinds of debate on it. But, but I believe that this is how you, you know, we would have had uh, 6,000 years ago dinosaurs uh, that they call them today. Of course, that's not what God called them in the Bible, but, but, uh, but you would have had them, you would have dinosaurs. Now, where would they come from? Why would they be there? Well, one, they got this perfect world to grow in, to eat, to feed, to live. Two, the reptile doesn't, never stops growing. So if you put two factors in there, if you got one, they think that, uh, you know, they found these rocks with, you know, the encased as little, little portions of oxygen. And inside these portions of, you know, oxygen, it's up to like 35% oxygen inside that air that was trapped there in that rock. Well, uh, today it's, it's, it's less than 25%. I think it's down like 22% or 21. Okay. 21%. I love having somebody uh, knows all, uh, so 21%. So we're, what we're breathing in is nothing like what they had a, at that time. You got this incredible oxygen flow. Now, it, what's amazing is above, and I think it's 35, maybe 34, but above that, they say it's not good for you. So God created, had on this earth the maximum amount of oxygen. Brother Stanley would love to have that much oxygen coming in right now. And, and the maximum amount of oxygen that you could have without being hurt by the oxygen. And so that's the world that these animals live in. Then you put into the fact that, that uh, if you, you remember, you know, Adam and Eve and all those that lived a long time, Methuselah 969 years. Well, what would a lizard look like that normally would get to be three feet long in its 25 years or 20 years of, of growth? What if it grew for 900 years? You wouldn't want to find it. You wouldn't want to be around it. I got scared to death of a turtle in a Canada. I was fishing, and we got on, a, on this big rock, and, and the, the guy was grilling out everything we caught, and while he's grilling, I'm going to keep fishing, and something just kept just, man, all of a sudden I hooked it, and I, I yelled at the guys. I said, man, I got a well, man. Somebody bring a net, bring... Bring everything because, man, my pole was bending over and I was just dragging like a big old catfish. And I was bringing it in, bringing it in, bringing it in. When it finally surfaced, that thing was this big around. Big old turtle came up there. He surfaced and I just kept pulling him in. And I yelled at the guy. I said, can you make turtle soup? And he said, we'll try anything. Well, I pulled him up there. That, that turtle's head was like this. And I pulled his neck out about this far. Well, I grabbed my knife. I'm holding the line. I grabbed my knife, and I reached out. I'm going to cut his throat. going to cut his head off. What I did, he goes, ah. I just cut the line, let him slide right back in. 
I said, man, I'm not getting close to that thing. That big. Who knows how old that thing was? He was massive. Now, look, let, him, let him grow for a thousand years. I read just recently that, that it's not just reptiles, and I don't know if this is really true, but, but what I read said a kangaroo never stops growing. That would be something incredible to see. A kangaroo. And maybe, maybe that's what a, you know, Tyrannosaurus is. It's really just a giant kangaroo. I don't know. The, uh, the, it's just amazing. A kangaroo never stops growing. Could you imagine what that thing would be like? And so reptiles and some other animals never stop growing. If, if they were in a perfect environment for food and growth and they were allowed to grow many more years than they, than they live today, what in the world would we have? Well, I'll tell you what we'd have. You'd have dinosaurs. You say, well, then all dinosaurs are some lizard that lives today? No, I don't believe that. I believe that probably your very large dinosaurs were some sort of creature that probably had a propensity to be large in the first place, but given hundreds of years to grow, they became incredibly massive. And so, and they're in a, again, they're in a perfect environment. They're eating everywhere. That's why, you know, I just, I struggle why, you know, they, there's so much attack against the, the flood uh, and what the flood did to this earth. But if you go to Mount St. Helens, you know, they talk about the strata of the earth and how these are, you know, this many millions, this many millions, this many billions of years old and, and how it had to happen this way because of the layers. And if you go to Mount St. Helens, what you'll find in 24-hour period, every bit of that was created. Even the scientists, I read a plaque there where scientists said that if they came here not knowing what had happened, they would interpret it as being millions of years old. And I'm thinking, okay, you just admitted that the flood could have done all this. You just admitted it. And so the, uh, uh, the fact is, though, is that they had this incredible growing period. They had this perfect environment. They could get very large. Uh, and so... I just believe that they were, that's what they were. They were predisposed. And, and uh, you know, I think some of them were on the ark. And, and after, the, and if you get a chance, I, you know, I, we went to the Creation Museum last summer. But now I guess they finished the ark now, which I think would be something amazing to see. We haven't seen that, but I think that'd be incredible. But, you know, after they got off the ark, it probably wasn't quite as much to eat. And there's some pretty big fellas. So those biggest of ones probably started dying off because there's not as much to eat. And so um, now, third day, third day. And it says in verse 9, look at verse 9. It says, God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. So now here's the first point where we're going to start seeing the continents come up, come up. And they're not going to be like they are today, I don't think. But, but it, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters he called seas, called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good in the evening and the morning, we're the third day. So now you've got this incredible atmosphere, this incredible uh, greenhouse that's all set up. So uh, effectively, and I keep, you know, because there's only one I've really been close to, you know, that, but 
uh, you know, I go out and I see John's building, his greenhouse. Well, he had to, he went and built it. There was nothing in it when he built it. He prepared it to put something in it. He prepared it to now grow. And so this is what God's doing. And now the next step, though, is that now he's got to have some earth for something to grow in. So now he, he takes and separates the waters from the earth. So the earth comes forth. So now we've got this greenhouse set up. We've got the soil brought into place so God can plant. Does this all make sense? It's, it's incredible divine order. It, it, it really is nothing different, I think, than we do. But, but sometimes I, I think I'm just simply trying to get us to see it this way. But now we have light. We have a perfect growing environment, this greenhouse effect. Now all that is needed is ground for something to grow, and that's exactly what God does next. He pulls the water away from the land to allow separation of the land and seas. Now the seed can grow, but also I want you to understand, I believe at this point, the way he describes it all, God doesn't just plant seed there. I believe God creates mature life there. And, that's, and the reason we're going to have to have that is because real soon he's going to create animals, and animals would be dead before everything came up if he just planted seed. Does that make sense to you? Become, it's like when, they, when the people, and let me just help you, I believe this is 24-hour periods because the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning was the second day. The evening and the morning was, and so it's a 24-hour period. And again, some will say, well, no, these are, these are thousand-year periods. This is just symbolic, and they're thousand-year periods. Here's a problem. Here's a real problem. Um, if, if you do that uh, the, in, in this, this order, you know, the, if you wait a thousand years for some things to be there, uh, other things are going to die before those things came. Uh, here's the problem. If you put plants on the earth and they're there for a thousand years before any animal or man is there, okay, scientists, what's our, what's our issue here? What's our problem? 500 years of darkness, they kill them all. You also, what do we expel when we, when we breathe? Carbon dioxide. Okay, what does a plant live off of? Carbon dioxide. Okay, they produce oxygen. So a thousand years, they're producing oxygen, but they got nothing to breathe. Because we're, we're in a cycle of life. Okay, so now, day four. If you look at verse 14. Verse 14, and God said, let there be, be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so, and God made two great lights, that, and I just messed myself up here, two great lights, uh, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, praise the Lord, he did. And God set them in the firmament of the, of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good in the evening and the morning with the fourth day. And so now what God is doing, he's, he's put all this in place. He's got, he's got this growing uh, plants now that he's put in place. Now he's given us seasons. Even in the canopy... Because now we have a sun, you're going to have differing temperatures through that. 
You're going to have, it's going to be filtered. All the rays are going to be filtered. We're going to get everything's coming in healthy. That's why we get cancer now from the sunlight because we don't have that canopy that protected us from all the ultraviolet rays. And so we, 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 we're now we're going to be, uh, we're, you know, we suffer more now because of it. But God created all this. Now what he's doing, he's just setting up the growing seasons. God, what he's about to do, I believe, is picture to us what, where we're going to be because in God's foreknowledge, knowing that sin's coming to man, he's going to show us the life cycle, the season. My little grand, my grandson, he, how old is Grant? 13? 13. Grant in Africa is 13. And Grant wants to be a farmer. And he's always planting things everywhere he can plant uh, around there on the little property that they have. And, and Brooks showed us pictures and stuff just growing everywhere. Because in Africa... Things have a lot more of a growing season, and man, it's just growing and growing and growing. And, and uh, now they're, because this new uh, couple's coming to be with them, they're giving up their house, which they've spent three years getting in shape. They're giving up their house, and they're going into another house so this couple can have theirs, and they can have, uh, they're going to go and start all over. The place they're going to has no bathroom, has no kitchen. It just, uh, it's just really, really rough. And she said, I'm just worried that Grant's going to, you know, it's going to hurt his heart. That he's got to walk away from everything he's worked so hard on. I wrote her back and I said, baby, he wants to be a farmer. I said, the farmer every year of his life has to work and plant, watch it grow, harvest and die. And you know what he's got to do next year? Start all over again. Start all over again. And I said, so all he's learning is what he wants to do. This is what you got to do. You got to start. You got to let it grow. And you know what? You're going to lose it. It's useful, but it's going to be gone. You're going to have to do this all over again next year to make it happen again. And so um, the seasons will allow, the process, uh, allow for the process of life to take place. Just as the day was now created and illustrated the cycle of life, I believe, to take place and, and be observable. Uh, so seasons allow the cycle of life to be seen, the, the uh, plant growing and, 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 and being fruitful. And then, of course, it wouldn't be like, again, like we do today because it wouldn't be that extreme in the seasons, but they would still be there. And then, the, of course, God gave, us, gave the creation for us to see Him in creation and to be as a useful tool. Uh, you know, I, they, they planted things by the moon, didn't they? Hello? Wake up. They planted things by the moon, didn't they? Huh? They planted things. You didn't have your hearing aids in today, did you? No. <laughs> Watch my lips. Okay, they planted things by the moon, didn't they? No? They planted it in the ground. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to slap that man. Amen. Somebody take him to the nursery. Now, but also God would use the stars to illustrate to mankind the need of a Savior. And one of these days I'm going to uh, take a, a little series on that. And, and when you really study what so-called the horoscope, it's not... The constellations that God put in the sky, all they do is tell the story of man, of sin, of a need of a Savior, of the Savior. It's amazing what God created and put it in the heavens. And here's the thing. You say, well, we look up there, we don't see that like that. That's because we're dumb. 
You say, really, compared to God, you know, when he created this perfect earth, guess what? Adam and Eve were using a perfect mind when they started off. We, we don't, we're not getting smarter, we're getting dumber. We really are. They were, they were using, we use, what do they say, like 10% of their minds? My dad's using three. Um, no, I'm just joking. Uh, I'm just joking, Dad. And so, uh, but we're not using much of our brains because we're digressing. But they had perfect minds. At least that's where they started off. And so they, they knew what they were looking at. Well, who taught Adam about it? God. And I can't, can you imagine Adam sitting down on a stump someplace and God saying, let me tell you about that one. Here's what it means. And I want you to tell all the generations. That, and do you understand? They could tell generations. Adam, all, I think it's three generations uh, to Noah. I mean, 900, I forget exactly, he, was, he wasn't 969, that was Methuselah, but 962 or something like that years that he lived. It's incredible. Uh, and while my time is up, we're just on day five, but it's God's divine order. We'll talk some more next week about God's divine order. Uh, we, we always stop a few minutes earlier than everybody else will. That's so, so that my people can get to the coffee. Amen. Uh, so, no, we just do that. It gives me a few extra minutes so that I can kind of get ready for the service to come. But we have a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Thank you. I hope it will be a blessing to you. Father, I pray that you bless. Please, Lord Jesus, uh, be with us. Be with those that are on the way this morning to come into the, the main church service. Lord, I pray that everything said and done will be a help and blessing and encouragement to them. Be with the other classes in the, in the junior church and, and the primary church and all the things that are going on right now. Dear God, I pray that you'd be with them and help them. And, and Lord, help us to be more like thee, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll be back in here in a few minutes.